Well, today we want to kick off a a brand new sermon series called Reflections. Uh, There's a beautiful passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Aren't you glad? How many of you are glad God makes us brand new creations? Yeah. And one of the things that when we talk about it, he said, you know, the old is gone and the, old, and the, the, and the new has come. Well, one of the things that we, we learn is that God doesn't just want to wipe away our past. He really does want to shape us into becoming brand new people. In other words, God doesn't want, to, want us to forgive our past and just so that we can keep being the same kind of people. He wants to really make us new creations. And uh, I want to invite you, if you would, if you're really courageous this morning, I want to invite you to pray a very dangerous prayer with me. Would you be willing to do that? Repeat this out loud after me. Lord, make me more like Jesus. I know that's scary, but let's do that again. Lord, make me more like Jesus. All right, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that um, there's probably a little work in your life that needs to be done before you completely look like Jesus? Yes, yes, yes. How many of you are sitting next to someone who has a lot of work to do? They're just, yeah, you want to just say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Well, that's what I want to talk about, and I want to welcome you on this journey that we're going to take over the next several weeks together, because we're going to be looking at how in the world would God work in our lives if we were really to be open to being more like the reflection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we spent this first kickoff of the year, our, our theme for the year is called Be the Light. And those last several weeks, we've been asking the question, Lord, how do we, how do we really become that light uh, to our families and to South Oklahoma City and wherever we go? And, um, and what we come to understand is that God wants to reflect His image through us. So here's my question to you. When you look back over your life for the last few weeks, would people say, you remind them of Jesus. And if God was going to begin to really shape you into looking like Jesus, what would he do with that? Well, that's what we want to talk about. I want to welcome you here for that today. I want to welcome our online audience too. Thank you. Got a chance to catch up with several of you in Phoenix last week. Glad that you're joining us this morning as well. Thanks for being here. I want to throw a passage of scripture up on the screen. This is kind of the, the passage for our entire series that we're going to be building off of from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul was writing to the church and he said, but we Christians, we have no veil over our faces. Now read this out loud with me. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. And that's what we want to do in this series. We want to begin asking those questions, how, Lord, would you change us to make us more like Jesus? Where do you think Jesus would start in reshaping that image. Well, maybe here. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's a guy by the name of Chris Simpson. Um, Chris had a, a pretty tough uh, growing up. He um, never really knew his father. Uh, his stepfather also abandoned him. The one man in his life that he really loved was his grandfather. And when he was 11 years old, his grandfather uh, died from leukemia. Out of the pain of all of that rejection and loss, uh, Chris developed a really bitter heart. In fact, at 11 years of age, he decided after all of this, 
there really can't be a God. And he began to start down a, a really dark path in his life where he began to fuel that hurt and fuel that hate, that hurt began to turn into hate. As he became an adult, he joined the Marines and tried to find an outlet through the military. And he found that the deeper he went into his hate, the more hateful that he became. When he got out of the Marines and got married, he, he was still fueling that hate. And so he decided to join up, up in Michigan, join a white supremacy group and begin to really target other people and other races with that hate, feeling like somehow he'd be able to get all of that out, but it, it didn't get better and got worse. In fact, throw that next picture up on the screen. He ended up covering his body with about 42 different tattoos, all of which were kind of uh, signifying the position that he held in life. In fact, on his knuckles, he had the words engraved, pure hate written across his knuckles. But what Chris found was that hate had no end. In fact, the more that he hated, the worse that he felt. And realized that this wasn't going to take him where he really wanted to go in his life. And he became emptier and emptier. And then one day he was in Walmart with his kids. And as they were getting ready to start down an aisle, one of his little children uttered a a racial slur. And Chris said, right there, I, I realized that the hate was not just consuming my life. It was consuming the life of my family. And if I didn't stop, I was just going to multiply this through their lives. Well, not far from where Chris and his family lived, there was a a church who had decided that they were going to offer a public showing of the movie Courageous. You know, how many of you saw that movie? Um, And uh, Chris thought, you know, I haven't been to church since I was a little child, but maybe, maybe it'd be something good for our family to go to. And so they decided to go attend this church and go to this movie together. And it was through that movie that God spoke to Chris's heart. And they broke through all of that callousness and all of that hatred. And Chris surrendered his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And he asked Christ to take over his life and to begin to make him in, into a new man. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is a picture of Chris being baptized. I'm glad I'm not having to dunk that chunk of a guy, I guarantee you. That is a big man. Now, Chris began to step into this new life, and, and, and what happened for Chris, what he said, was so utterly amazing. He said not only was God shaping his character, but God began to lift all of that hate out of Chris's heart And he began to replace it with something else, love. And Chris said for the first time in his life, he really began to experience what love was all about. In fact, throw that last picture up on the screen for me. There's a picture of Chris at the table praying with his family. Well, I I thought of that story when when I was working on the message this week because I think maybe for a lot of us, if God was going to begin shaping us into the image of Christ, maybe love would be that place that he would begin. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me. I want to look at what you look with me at a couple of passages of Scripture. Throw that first one up on the screen for me, would you please? John 13, verses 34 and 35, these are the words of Jesus He said, read it out loud with me, would you please? So now I am giving you a new commandment, 
love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let that just kind of cook on your brain for just a second. Jesus said, just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. Just a thought as we're framing this in today. But when you look back over the last week or two or month of your life, have you loved the people around you with the same kind of love that God has loved you? Jesus said, you know what, out of all these things, don't you find it interesting? Jesus said, you know what will really be the determining factor that people will see that you're mine? Not how you pray, not what size Bible you carry or where you go to church. He said, by this will all men know that you're truly my disciples if you have love for each other. That's how they'll be able to tell. Throw that next passage up. I love this is Paul's word to the Ephesian church. Read this out loud. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Today, I, I want to issue the challenge to you as we ask God to do this transforming work in our lives. I want to give you the challenge to love like Jesus loved. Well, what would that look like and where would we begin? Glad that you asked. Are you ready? Here we go. First of all, and I know this may catch a few of you off guard, it begins with loving ourselves. It begins with loving yourself. Come on, it's just us. You know, when I talk about the fact that every person is uniquely created by God. When I talk about every person is of uh, infinite value, when I talk about the fact that every single person is, is priceless and precious and beautiful, it, it's so easy for all of us to say amen, but do you really believe that when you look at the mirror about you? Do you believe you are precious and priceless and beautiful? Do you believe you are of an asset to this world? Do you believe that God needs and wants to use you in this world around us? When I was working on this message, one of the things that hit me is that at the heart of a lot of us, for a lot of us, of our inability to love other people, guess what? It's because we don't love ourselves. Look at what the words of Jesus, throw that up on the screen for me. Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? Here's how he responded. The most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Now read it out loud. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as, love your neighbor how? As yourself. No, no other commandment are greater than these two. Now I just want you to let this process with you because what I want to tell you is a lot of the challenges that we have in loving other people really don't have anything to do with them. It has to do with how we view ourselves. Look at me. If you don't believe that you're worthy of love, if you don't believe that you are acceptable, if you don't believe that, that you are worth anything, you know, can I tell you something? That's going to impact the way that you relate to other people. If you found in your life, if you've been hurt and wounded along the way and experienced rejection, if you are expecting people to reject you, here's what I can tell you. You're going to see it even when it's not there. Because that's what we're looking for. You see, sometimes for us to really love like Jesus loved, there has to be some healing that happens inside of us 
for us to really begin to love us. Um, throw that picture up on the screen for me. There's a, um, this is Mary Mallon. Back in the early 1900s, um, Mary worked as a cook out in New York. And uh, she actually worked in a, at a very wealthy part uh, of New York City area in an upstate. And uh, she cooked for several, several different families along the way. But there was something interesting that began to happen. Every place that Mary went and every family that she cooked for got sick. In fact, people started dying. Along the way, over the course of time, they estimate that no fewer than 50 people died from what's known as typhoid fever. When they began to try to figure out what in the world was going on, Mary was the common denominator. They discovered that even though Mary didn't show any symptoms of typhoid fever, she was a carrier. And so everyone's food that she prepared, she was passing on that bacteria to them. Hundreds became sick. At least 50 people died. Mary ended up being put in isolation just to keep her from being a harm to other people. Now look at me. I, I, I want you to get this. You know I love you. But sometimes for some of us, we wonder why we have these ongoing issues with person after person after person after person. And sometimes it never occurs to us that maybe what really needs to happen for our relationships to be healthier and happier is maybe it's what God needs to do in us. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes we're the carriers. To love like Jesus, we got to love ourselves. Let me give you another one that's not very easy too. Loving like Jesus is also loving the ones that you don't want to love. It's loving some people that you don't want to love. Okay, come on, gang. It's just you and me, and it's church. It's Sunday morning. It's a great place to kind of confess. How many of you be honest enough to admit that there's some people in your life that you know you ought to love them, but you really don't want to love them? Well, everybody but the liars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, there are just people sometimes that we, we, we honestly don't want to love them, and we, we look at them. We look at the way they are. We look at what they do, and we don't. And I think sometimes some of the hardest words of Jesus are really, we struggle to really digest. In fact, throw that up on the screen from me from Matthew 5. Look at these words. Jesus said, you've heard the law that says you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, do what? Read it with me. Love your enemies. Keep reading. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. All right, keep reading. This hurts. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Just let that last line resonate in your head for a second. If you are only kind to the people who are kind to you, if you are only loving toward the people who are, if you only just give in return for what you get, Jesus said, you know what? Everybody does that. Christ followers, we're to reach a little deeper because Christ calls us to love people, quite frankly, that we don't want to love. Now, sometimes when we read that phrase, love your enemies, 
I think because that term is so generic, we kind of just lets it, just lets it slide right through our brain. We think, well, what does that mean? It means love, you know, Russians we're at war with or, you know, people in, you know, North Korea that we're at war. You know, who, 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 is, who are that enemy that we, that we need to love? No, no, no. Think, think, of, think of it this way. Who are the people who really annoy you? Don't be looking at the person beside you. Don't do that. Not here. Yeah. But who are the people who really, who really push you over there? Who are the people that just kind of make you, who are the people that when you see them walk in the room, you just want to leave? That's the people Jesus is talking about. Um, there was a gal named uh, Ann D'R.C. who wrote a, a, it's just a great blog she was talking about in her community, uh, she took a job as a telemarketer um, as, a, as a help. Just to, it was a, for a nonprofit cause that she really believed in, and she worked a full-time job. So she would go to this place, and they were actually doing telemarketing calls, calling people in the community from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., and asking them to help them raise money for this community cause that they had going on. Anybody here ever work as a telemarketer? Anybody ever do that? And this is kind of back in the day. I did this in college for a while. There is nothing more irritating to people than getting a call, particularly in the middle of a meal. And some of you have hung up on telemarketers before, I guarantee you. Well, she said, you know, she goes, it was fairly annoying because people didn't like to be bothered. She said, but the most annoying part of my job really didn't have to do with the work I was doing. It had to do with the lady sitting beside me named Della. She goes, most of us in the call center were volunteers. Della was a paid employee. She said, but Della was one of those people who found fault with everything that I did. And she made it a point to tell me. She didn't like the way that I talked. She didn't like the way I went off script. She didn't like the, the, the way that I, I wrote down things. In fact, she didn't even like the color ink I used to make notes with. She said, if there, if there was something that she could complain about, she did. And she goes, every night that I came there, she goes, I just, I would just bite my tongue because Della was so annoying. She goes, I found myself just really praying that people would pick up the phone at the other end just so I didn't have to listen to Della. She said, finally, one night, she goes, Della told me that she wasn't feeling well, that, that she felt like she might be coming down with something. She goes, and I was secretly in my heart thinking, oh, I hope it's something that will keep you in bed for about two weeks. <laughs> she said, and that's when God spoke to me and said, can you, do you really want her to go through that kind of misery? And I, she said, I felt convicted. And she said, I began to talk to God about that. And I said, well, God, she's so annoying. What, what do you want me to do? And she said, God said something I wasn't prepared for. It was, I want you to pray for her. But not pray for her the way that you would like to pray for her. Not pray that she'll develop laryngitis. Or, you know, not pray that, she'll, or, you know, that she won't be able to come to work. Or, or, or not pray you know, that, you know, the, that the curse is upon her head. Not, I, hey, I want you to pray blessings over her. And, 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 and Anne said, I, I just really struggled with that. And she said, but, but I found myself saying, okay, that's what I'll begin to do. And she said, so I began every day praying for Della, praying, Lord, bless Della. Lord, I don't know what Della's going through, but, but Lord, you do. Would you just walk with her? Would you let her know you're near? Would you, would you pour out your love upon her? Would you give her a good day? She said, I found myself praying that prayer. And she said, as I began to do that, she goes, it, it was really annoying, but I found myself starting to be drawn to Della. And I began to engage her in conversation. She said, I began to take my break with her, and I started asking her questions about her life. And she said, you know what I discovered? I said, she said, I discovered that Della was a single mom. 
Nadella had no car. She had to take the bus everywhere that she went. But I discovered that she lived in a, a very rough part of town and that she was constantly in fear because there were all kinds of drive-by shootings and gunfire that she was hearing. She goes, I began to realize that this woman had an incredibly hard life. She said, I began to ask her to sit with me at break time. And she said, and I, I realized that Della never had any snacks at break. And so I began to bring extras for her. And, and she goes, I began to actually like Della. She goes, and I don't know if it was God working in me or if it was God working on Della, but I found Della to be less and less annoying the more that I prayed for her. Love is an incredibly powerful thing. Jesus said, you know what? Loving people who love you, that's easy. Anybody can do that. It's loving these people that annoy the mess out of you. Those are the real challenges. But that's what it means to love like Jesus. Amen? Can I push on you a little further? Loving like Jesus is, is loving with our actions and not just our intentions. Loving like Jesus is loving with our actions and not just our intentions. Now, it's really important to say that because a lot of times, you know, being around the church, we, we talk about loving people. You hear people say, well, I love everybody. Oh, really? <laughs> Does it come out in the way that you talk to them? Does it come out in the actions that you do around them? Because the kind of love that Jesus is talking about isn't, isn't just a, a love in here. It's a love that comes out here, and it's a love that comes out here. In fact, look at these words from Paul. Throw that up on the screen from Ephesians. Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language. Well, we pretty well get that. But read this next part with me. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, I just want you to just walk backwards with me through your last week, and I want you to just hear the words that came out of your mouth as you drove with your family in their car, or, or the things that you said while you were at work, or the things that came out of your mouth while you were at home. Just a question, but did the words that you said, were they good and helpful, and were they an encouragement to everyone? Or is there a little room to maybe talk a little bit more the way Jesus would talk. I think probably one of the most hum uh, humbling experiences that we could do would be put a recording device in our cars uh, when we take family excursions together and, and just record maybe how we speak to one another or, or put it around, put the recorder on at the dinner table or, or put, it, you know, put it on sometime. When we, because isn't it a fact of life that sometimes these people who we say we love the most, we speak the worst to and I don't think that's the Jesus way. Loving also in how we act. Throw that next passage up on the screen for me. 1 John 3, 18. Read this with me, church. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our, by our what? Actions. Now, this is Valentine's week. And uh, everybody's buying cards and getting candy and doing all kinds of stuff. And we're taking dates and all this kind of stuff. We're, we're all this kind of, but, but aside from the chocolate and the flowers and the cards, are you acting in loving ways toward the people around you? And do you understand how powerful actions of love really are? 
I had a, I had a great, just a, actually a great experience with this, just, just on this trip home, coming back from Arizona. Uh, Friday, I was flying back from, from Phoenix, and, and I connected through uh, Houston on the way to Oklahoma City. And I, was, I had an early boarding pass, so I was able to get on the plane uh, early, and I was in the fifth row and had an aisle seat where I like to sit. And people were beginning to get on the plane. It was one of those flights where every single seat was taken. You know, that's kind of how they do it now. I mean, I think they were putting two or three extra people in the cockpit, and some people were sitting in the bathroom, I think. I mean, it was just, this, crowd, this plane was just overwhelmed. And uh, people were filling in all of the middle seats. Well, there was a woman who got on the plane, um, you know, at, kind of in the second boarding group or so. And she, it was Southwest Airlines, so you're picking your own seat. And she wanted the second seat, the second row. There was a middle seat, and she wanted to take that, but there was no overhead baggage area. And so she walked back past me and put her bag in about the sixth row, even though she was sitting in the second row. Can anybody see the collision that is about to take place? Have you ever seen this happen? And, and as she put her bag there and returned back to her seat, in my mind, I'm already picturing landing in Houston. And I'm picturing this woman, uh, who was not a smile gal at that, trying to swim upstream against hundreds of people who were trying to get off the plane. Now, if you've ever seen that happen, that's not pleasant, and it's, it's, not, it's not a fun experience. And, and as we landed in Houston, everybody stood up, and uh, they, we were still waiting on the jetway to get all the way to the plane. And so as we're standing there, I could see this woman sitting in the second row, and she kept looking back, and now she sees all of these very big people standing in the aisle, and she's like, she's never, there's no way she's going to get through. And, and she's panicked. You can just see it on her face. She's just panicked. And she's looking, and, and, and she knows. She's stuck. Now, I thought a thought that was got to be of God, because the thought said, well, why don't you get her, her bag for her? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but I do, and I, and, I, and I do, and I could tell she was talking, so I, I tapped the shoulder of the guy in front of me who was in the aisle, and he turned around, and I said, would you tap the shoulder of the guy in front of you? And he did, and that guy turned around. I said, would you reach over that chair into the middle right there in the woman in the green, and would you tap her on the shoulder? And he did. And the woman turned and looked at him, and he pointed to the man behind him who pointed to me. And this woman looks back at me, and I smiled at her. I said, can I get your bag for you? You would have thought this woman just won the lottery. Because her face exploded in joy. And she put her hands together and she said, oh, thank you. So I pulled her bag down and she waited inside the aisle as I got there and brought it out. Now, I, I just want you to get this. All I did was pull her bag down for her. All I did was a very, very small thing. But do you understand how powerful it was for that woman who had no way to get her own bag. When I got there and I handed her bag, she squeezed my arm and she said, God bless you. And I said, he just did. Sometimes our actions are very small, but don't ever underestimate how powerful they can be. Amen? Now let me give you one more. When we talk about loving like Jesus, we, it's also about loving people who need love the most. It's about loving people who need love the most. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, who needs love the most? Well, let me give you a few. It's people who have the least. 
It's people who have the least. I'm going to come back to this um, in a few weeks in a different message. But I learned a very powerful lesson several years ago when I pastored in Phoenix when we opened one of our facilities in the summertime to help homeless people get out of the heat because they were dying and get someplace cool and have some water. One of the discoveries I made, these are people. They have names. They have stories. They have lives. And one of the things that God helped me with in that is that for most of us, we spend our lives trying to avoid eye contact with some of these people who desperately need to hear and experience the love of God. They don't have anything to give us in return, so to speak, but they need that love. We all do. Amen? It's also the people who are the loneliest. They need love the most. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, how can I tell who are the loneliest? You can usually tell one of two ways. One of the ways you can tell is they are the people who never say anything. They are the people who feel that they are so unworthy of love that they try to they try to melt into the background. They, they try to avoid eye contact. They, they try not to let anybody see them because they don't, they don't feel they're worth it and, and they're, they're horribly, horribly lonely. The, the other extreme is that you can tell they're really lonely because they never shut up. <laughs> they're the people who start talking and they never stop talking. And the reason they never stop talking is because they're so desperate to, to experience love and relationship is that they cling to you, and which is sometimes why we push them away. But I just want to say, they're lonely. They need Jesus' love too. Can I give you one more? They're the people who are most deeply hurt. They're the people who are most deeply hurt. Well, Pastor Steve, how can I figure out who's the most deeply hurt? Oh, I bet you know who they are. You just didn't know it was hurt. They're angry. Hurting people hurt people. And what you'll discover is that sometimes some of these people around you who never have a nice word to say and are sometimes so vicious and so harsh and so ugly, the reason they are that way, kind of like our buddy Chris that we talked about at the very beginning of the message, is they have some deep wounds in their life. They have some open sores that they've never healed and out of that pain and out of that hurt, they just don't know how to be nice. But you got to get this. But they need our love. And it is our love that will really help them to heal. I'll never forget uh, several years ago uh, when I was associate pastor here, I had a young lady who was a college student that um, had a really uh, hard veneer about her. Uh, she was harsh. She was critical. She was sarcastic. Uh, she was angry all of the time. And along the way, as she came to our church, and I got a chance to get to know her a little bit, and we developed a, just a little bit of a relationship. We were sitting in my office one day, and in a more vulnerable moment, I looked at her, and I just asked her a simple question. I said, sweetie, why are you so angry? Why are you working so hard to drive everyone around you away from you? And this tough, hardened young gal began to weep. She began to talk about her earlier years of growing up and the abuse that she went through and the resolution that she made as a teenager that no man would ever hurt her again. No person would ever hurt her again. She wanted so 
badly to be loved. But she was so scared. Now look at me. I know those people. The least, the, the, the loneliest, and the hurting. I, I know that they are very difficult people to love. But they are the ones who need that love the most. Amen. If God were to speak to you this morning about someone you need to love more, someone that you need to act in loving ways toward more, someone that you need to speak kinder to and maybe even reach out to, who would that be? If Jesus were to sit down beside you and say, I need you to love just like I have loved you, who would he specifically put on your heart that you need to do that towards? Could I challenge you to spend a couple of moments just praying and processing that? We have a, a, a music video I, I want to play. It's, it's just a song. It's just some beautiful, beautiful words. And as we play this music video, I just want you to let God speak to your heart about how you can be more loving like Jesus. And for some of you, there may be someone God's putting on your heart, and maybe you need a moment with God, and you want to slip out from where you are, and you want to come and just kneel here at the altar or someplace in front. You're more than welcome to do that. Some of you may have some very challenging people in your life, and you know it's going to be an ongoing kind of deal. And maybe some of you want to take the prayer card that's in the back of the pew in front of you and you want to put some names on there and say, Pastor, would you, would you pray for me? Because I, I know God's speaking to me about being more loving toward these people, but I struggle with it. Now, maybe you want to just write those on your prayer card and you can hang those on our prayer wall. And this week in staff, we'll be praying for you and with you that God will help turn your heart. Look at me. That's what you to hear me. Jesus loved us when we weren't all that lovable. It was while we were yet sinners. And Jesus said, just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another. Let this be your moment with God. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come before you this morning. Um, we thank you for the challenge that you have put upon us to allow you to transform us into the reflection of Christ. And we admit on the front end that that's not uh, easy for us. And, and there are a lot of areas of our life where we really need to be reshaped and reformed. And this morning, Lord, you've spoken to us about the need to love like Jesus. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us that as you apply that word to our hearts, that, that you would help us to take from here that... Um, that continued effort to see people through your eyes, that we might love them like you love them. Father, I pray for those today that maybe um, where we need to begin is learning to love ourselves. And, and I pray, Father, that you would help each and every one of us to look in the mirror and to see the beautiful creation that you have made in us. And, and that we would know that even though we're not perfect, we're yours. And we are worthy of receiving love and worthy of giving love. I pray for those of us, Lord, who have some particular people in our life that are incredibly challenging. I, I pray, God, that you would work in wondrous ways, like you did with Anne, to be able to see them and pray for them. And as you begin to change our hearts, perhaps it'll open the door for you to work some change in them. 
And Father, for those people in our lives that need love the most, we walk by them all the time. In fact, we try to avoid them. Those who are the least, those who are the loneliest, and and those who are hurting the most. They aren't easy people, God, and you know that. But Lord, we pray that you would help us love them the way that you would love them. And maybe somehow through loving them, you could bring some healing and wholeness to their lives too. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us before we were all that lovable. Help us to not only receive that love today, help us to love like you love. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. 